0: Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports and opinions, so bit of snark built, and we are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. You can find us under the Burn Orange Nation podcast feed. Share this with your friends wherever you found it. Whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Feel free to connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge and I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by the Cardi B to my Megan the Stallion, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you?
1: Oh man, that was uh you really whopped that intro out of the park. Um no, I I'm good, man. I am dripping with finesse over here. I'm feeling feeling fantastic. Uh, uh, you know, so I, I actually went out of Houston for the first time in a long time, went to go see my mom for her birthday this weekend, also went to San Antonio, it's literally the first time we've left the city, first time we've left the house for the most part in months it felt like, um, got to swim in the pool, see the see the family, um, it was great, feeling tired but also at the same time energized, so uh, we gonna make it, how you doing?
0: Man, I am alright, we ran out of cold brew early this afternoon, which is tough, Especially because my kid has been sleeping awfully these last few nights. But you know what? Hashtag parent life. This is good problems to have. It's like, oh, I've got to take care of this new life, right? Like such, such terrible things to complain. No, I'm good. I'm doing really, really well. Other than my, my weird mental health stuff with everything going on on the internet with football. Uh, That's been causing me a little bit of consternation. So we're going to talk a lot about that tonight. Uh, (laughs) Texas did open camp in spite of all of that. Got a couple of big recruits. uh, And then we'll obviously close the show out with some down the 40 and some bang the drum. But the big story right now, Kyle, is what on God's green earth is happening with college football. So it started Sunday night and then continued into Monday. And again, we record this on Monday evenings. So this could all be... (laughs) Out of date by the time you listen to this at like eight thirty on Tuesday morning, but
1: the, we're we're feeding you cotton candy right now, folks. You may uh, put it on your tongue and it may dissolve immediately. We don't know, or could you know this could hold up? We could see. This but, could last.
0: Uh. It could, it could not, right? Uh, but reports of the Big Ten. Canceling football and or pushing it back to the spring and pushing the other power five conferences to do the same. Now the big 12 did announce on Sunday that it would be giving you its schedule on Tuesday and I'm excited for that blank PDF that they're going to send out to everybody. Uh, But the there's. Reports back and forth. Was this an emergency meeting? Was this their normally scheduled athletic director and director's call that normally happens? Which conferences are pushing to have football? Which conferences aren't pushing to have football? There's a lot of news and misinformation and back and forth and people retweeting stuff without reading the articles, which is what Twitter does. But like. There's a very real chance, it seems at this point, that there may not be football in the fall, and there's also a very real chance that, like, the Big 12 and SEC are just going to be like, you know what? Don't care what everybody else is doing. This is the South, and we're going to play some football. So, like, it's just so confusing at this point.
1: Uh yeah, I think confusing is, is the right way to put it. I don't know. Again, between Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, if this is gonna be fully uh, complete today, we're recording this on Monday. We also in the middle of that had a you know potential uh, bait and switch uh, where the um, players you know wanted to play hashtag, but also I think. Potentially are trying to use this as a way to unionize, which is a radical development uh, if college football players so choose to do so. I mean, it's it's wild what's going on right now. This is actually um, one of the like most interesting 24, 48, 72 hours. Uh, in the history of college football, just in the sense of things might be wildly different. We talked about the NCAA and um, what happens there um, as conferences pull out. Like, will they ever be conferences NCAA conferences again? Will things change? Will players have that ability? news I don't. I don't know. It, it's it's very very interesting to me right now. Like I said, the the you know Big Ten canceling fall football, uh, the Pac twelve. I mean, you get two of the the biggest conferences. I think. You know, especially Big Ten has been a little bit more um, relevant in the playoff era uh, recently of, of, you know, winning or at least competing for national championships. But, you know, yeah, the South is, is college football heartland. And so it'll be it'll be very curious to see if things change, if if season I've heard, you know, the, the talk of the season could take. You know, a year where it goes, some teams play in the fall and some teams play in the spring and then they do some kind of playoff after it's all said and done. It's very, very weird right now.
0: Can you unionize if you're not technically employed is the question that I want to, because I think the the shifting landscape of college football is going to continue to shift, right? Because I'm going to be really honest with you. These guys stopped being amateurs probably 20 to 30 years ago. Um they' there the the concept of amateurism is not a real thing and and these guys are rapidly building brands and, and we'll talk more about the name image and likeness stuff later on in the show but like there is a there's a very real conversation that needs to be had about like how do you have football successfully and most of the ways that would require you treating these employees, these I said it. Employees, these players, more as employees and less as unpaid work study interns, right? Uh, like that's that's really what it's kind of treated as now is this is kind of just a high dollar work study where I provide a service to the university and in return I receive scholarship and 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 kind of non monetary compensation for that. That's basically a work study, right? Um, and so. If we continue to do things like well, we create a bubble. We have them sign waivers. Eh, can you really do that with a work study kid, right. or do they need to be an employee? So, like right. that, the I I am. We said it a few weeks ago that the like college football has been rapidly changing, and it has never changed more than I'll go ahead and say it. One of the top two players in the country tweeting out that they he wants to be kind of at the tip of the spear to form the College Football Players Association, which would be a union or kind of a, a collective group to bargain, however you want to call it. Right. (laughs) Um, Would they, would they get representation? Who would pay? How would they pay for it? Like there are about a million and one questions that are still out there, but when push comes to shove, I think that the, when we get back to the subject matter of what this does for college football in 2020, Mm. there are a lot of players that want to play. There are a lot of players that really want to play. And I'm, I'm a listen-to-the-kids kind of guy. Now, granted, mm. I think we need to create a mechanism through which they can do it safely. But I think if we listen to the kids right. about their, the, the social justice things they want to do, then we also have to listen to them about, here are my preferences. Now, granted, at 21, I was trying to talk my way at a field sobriety tests on 6th Street. <laughs> but, like, these kids are clearly way more mature than I was. And so um, I'm, I'm fine with that. If the school's and the schools, I'm going to be honest with you, the NCAA – all of the major conferences and the schools basically screwed the pooch on on prepping for this. There are ways, there were ways to do this uh, safely. Like the NBA, I thought the, the bubble was a joke. I was completely convinced it was going to collapse. And then it turned out to be the smartest thing yep. that sports has done in probably the last couple of decades. And yep. so, um, there were ways to do this and to accomplish this and to accommodate that. And I'm really frustrated that, one, the NCAA is a useless organization that provided zero guidance to the schools on this. Uh, so let's just Go ahead and abolish the NCAA, but like no one is looking out for the, these air quotes, unpaid amateur athletes other than the amateur athletes themselves.
1: Yeah. And I mean, Mac Brown said a while back about there being kind of a need for a czar of college football, which he would be a perfect person to be that. But, um, you know, it's 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 the thing that's needed because everyone's like, well, what if we had the same doctors? What if we had the same data? What if we made the same decisions at the same time instead of, you know, basically being a stare down across a, a Zoom call with with five big shots from five different conferences? There really isn't a cohesion. And You know whose fault that is? it's the organization that's supposed to be over those conferences and and threading them together in the NCAA. Um, And, 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 you know, like we kind of say it and it is shocking. It's probably equally as shocking to like, you know, old timers who just accepted that things in 1960 or 1975 would be the same as they are in, in 2020. I mean, there's people who said maybe the eyes of Texas should change. And that's wild. And that's a very radical thought and we've had that conversation we won't get back into it but at the same time i'm sure it's a wild thought to hear maybe the nc2a should not be the governing body of college football and, and at first is your knee-jerk reaction is like no way how could you and then if you really kind of think about it it's like well yeah why why does it have to be right can there be something better can there be something different um i, I think the kids want to play i think ut feels pretty confident from from what's been reported on their you know, what they've done to make sure that the kids can play. They want to play. They've, they've spent on testing protocols, the smaller stadium capacity they feel good about. I mean, they they're they're, they're they think they're doing the right things. There's probably plenty of schools that um, are in similar situations. So, I mean, it's like, it, it, is this the breaking point? Will we talk about, the, you know, obviously this time in American history will be interesting to look back on way beyond a sports lens. Um, but will we also look back at it as one of the outcomes of this being the, you know the breaking of the traditional mold that that we've thought about college football, and I mean it's 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 wild, folks. You're here at an exciting time. I know it's um you you might come to this podcast more to to, to hear stats, analysis, predictions, and, and 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 breakdowns of college football games, but uh, there's. There- there's not those, um, but there are some crazy things and interesting things to talk and think about, and I, I kind of love to be here for it uh, in this chair in this time.
0: We're at such a, a fun place, and I'm going to be honest with you, Like the NCAA has needed an additional organization to award a champion since, like, what, the, the 80s? Right. Like there were other organizations giving out like yep. the the AFCA was giving out championships when you and I were born and then the BCS came in behind it and then the CFP came in behind it. So like the NCAA doesn't even really handle its football championships. Like it's 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 a joke. I, that's enough about that. So yeah. on some on some things that we're excited about. So. The newly mentioned in the coaches poll, number 14, Texas Longhorns, officially opened camp on Friday. There's football being played in Austin, Texas, Kyle, and it feels good to be able to say that. Regardless of what's going on in the world, it feels good to be able to say that. Uh, Tom Herman did speak to the media and some things are. Obviously, some news came out of that. Um, One of the, I guess, bigger pieces of news is that uh, Jordan Winnington and Prince Dorba have been held out. Of some earlier practices to help uh, as a precaution. Uh, Danny Young is considering still his options of opting out for COVID 19. Potentially could take a red shirt this year, has not done that yet. Um, Tom Herman's biggest concerns, he said, uh, in the fall are installing the new systems, obviously, because we didn't have a spring, developing depth specifically at linebacker, cornerback, and offensive line. Um, and then Bijan Robinson, uh, this is a just beautiful. 18 going on 24 is how Tom <laughs> Herman described him, both physically and maturity-wise. So, just music to my ears. So, Kyle, I, just, I put out a couple of pieces uh, on the site about some big questions that you want to have answered for each side of the ball in fall camp. But if football happens this year, what are, what are the things that you're hoping to see shake out early in fall camp that will make you feel confident in Texas moving forward?
1: I mean, again, with the caveat that there is a football season for Texas to move forward. That I, I feel like that uh, this team, there is a lot of, um, there's a lot of older guys in the depth chart who you know who were there before and will be returning some power. There's some guys who've been in the program who are expected to step up and fill some shoes for some players, especially at the receiver position, who you know will not, uh, who will be proving more than they did last year and filling some big shoes. And then there's some young guys that you know kind of spell the next generation um and i think obviously could sam ellinger is the senior quarterback the questions of you know hopefully texas is winning games big enough that we get a good look at who qb2 uh is most likely and who's fighting for it. but a casey thompson hudson carja and jackson battle uh royale um and then you know additional players coming of course in Milrow. but you look at the future and you start thinking about that you think about bijan robinson obviously uh, it, running back in Jordan Whittington. Um, you know, as, as long as the, the my my deepest fear is that somehow Whittington is going to be the guy who, uh, you know, such a highly rated recruit got here was hurt. Um, you know, last year. Maybe a little banged up this year, ends up playing only a few games, and then has such high ceiling that has a chance to go to the NFL and college football. So weird right now that we don't get as much of we get we get as much Jordan Whittington as we did Brew McCoy, you know. And that's that's I'm, I'm obviously pessimistic in that assessment. That's the worst case scenario. But again, like if a guy like Jordan Whittington with Bijan Robinson can establish, they can be a vanguard for you know this two point out right. Like as these as some of these older guys that are already established leave who comes behind them, right? The offensive line, I think there's some of those same questions. Um, So, so for me, it's that it's, it's are senior guys returning guys going to step up is, is senior Sam Ellinger really going to be, you know, that elite Texas quarterback that will live in folks memory for the next 20 years. Like, like we all hope he can be. Um, And then, you know, how do we start looking towards, which I know it's weird to think that way, but 2021 and beyond who are the next guys who are going to do something this year that have you salivating, salivating uh, about what they can do next year so that's that's kind of how I'm looking at the depth chart and looking at you know camp and and we'll hopefully be looking at at, it early weeks of the season uh to see how those things kind of shake out and then again you do that assessment at the end of the season and see who really grew uh you know over the course of however many let's say 10 uh games or however many it ends up being this year
0: the young there, there's a really wide open spot at at wide receiver. I think to see Mm -hmm. some things happen, I think cornerback as well. I, you could see a lot of different combinations in there. Um, but not because of a lack of talent, but because there's just so much talent, I think there is really, really impressive. But I think my big question of the, I put out like 10 questions, five on each side of the ball. I think the biggest one of all of those for me is what's, what's the defensive line going to look like as far as pressure generation? Mm. Um, because they've got such a high level of talent and a high level of depth along the defensive line. Uh, But one of the biggest issues last year was they were just unable to generate much of a pass rush with three down linemen. And you and I were kind of back and forth on whether or not it was a three down lineman issue or not. But you can't argue the fact that having an additional down lineman with a guy like T-Sweat or a guy like Snacks Coburn um, is going to be harmful for your uh, your defensive scheming and your defensive pressure. And so uh, that, for me, is going to be interesting because, honestly, you could trace a lot of the the secondary issues back to the defensive line and the inability to get a pass rush from any point, whether it's linebackers blitzing or DBs blitzing. The the quarterbacks being able to stand in the pocket for 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 seconds is too long because coverage is going to break down because your DBs are reacting rather than because the wide receiver is going to make the first move and the DB has to react to it. And so just with time coverage breaks down, that is just kind of one of those guarantees of football. And so the ability to keep def- uh, to keep uh, your quarterbacks honest and to keep your offensive lines on their toes because generally what's going to happen is like the, the, the nose, the shaded nose in this four, two, five, weird you know, four, four, two, five system that they're going to end up running, um, the nose is going to basically a, require two people mm. because both of the texas's noses are going to are upwards of 350 right so like you're not just going to put a center on snacks coburn he's going to pick that guy up set him on his backside and tackle the quarterback so <laughs> and then you've got a guy like joseph osai who's going to yeah. be at that that jackbacker who's going to require two blockers yeah. because he's really good so you're forcing offenses to keep a running back in or keep a tight end in and so it shifts the way that other sch- other teams scheme and so i think for me like if that has as as big of an uptick as I think it's going to have in 2020, then I think the Texas defense is going to be not just it's, – it's not really hard to improve over the worst statistical defense in school history, but they will be way, way, way better, like different leagues better than they were in 2019.
1: Yeah, and I, I think when you ask that question at first, in my mind, and I think probably most listeners' mind go to – pass rush that equals joseph osai and i think that's probably correct right like we're expecting an, at least to say a macho year from him, if not an Arakpo year from him right or a, you know a sergio kindle ability just to put the head down and motor go and have you know an ou quarterback fly back 12 yards like that's um the type of season that i think people you know lick their lips and think about um and i think that's right but you just kind of you're the mechanic who just lifted up the hood and said why the engine runs right. That's the that's the how you get there is is Coburn and Graham having hands down and eating up blockers a Jomo uh, or Bimage or Sweat coming you know on on opposite side and, and and you know making it where you can't double team Osai every single play and then, you know that 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 play when you have to slide protection and you put him one on one with a tackle um you know he he's too strong and too quick for whichever way you try to do it and he'll he'll eat you for lunch is again the hope that we're seeing. So I think if all those things line up, Lord willing, everyone stays healthy that you're right, that that could be the key. And kind of, we've talked about it before the front and the back hiding the middle a bit. I think that, you know, this could be a great defense, even if we don't necessarily know or feel confident with the, linebacking play that, you know, or at least it's a a question mark. We don't know what we're going to get from the linebacking play. I think you can maybe cover it up a little if you're getting good pressure. Um, And you have the cornerbacks who, at least for the first few seconds, are are doing a good job locking people down, which, again, I'm hearing Jamison, which we we didn't necessarily think, but Jamison is the guy. The other cornerback and defensive back situation, you know, covering in there is is up for grabs with, you know, Thompson and and Jalen Green and Kenyatta uh, Watson all all looking for, for snaps there. So it's you're right. Uh, spoil, uh, spoiled for talent and in and, and plenty of riches there. There's just – I'd like to see football. I'd like it to be real because I'm so tired of imagining, you know, just how good both offensively and defensively these units uh, can be. There's so many guys that these names are just intriguing because, like I said, there is a big jump up expected from so many guys. And, like, you know, even putting Osai in that category, he was fantastic last year and especially – at the end, but we've never seen him line up as a pure, you know, defensive end, just rushing the quarterback like he did fantastically in high school um, that made him such a hot recruit. So, I, you know, I, I'm if everything goes well, you know, this is this is the even as weird as it is, the, the recipe for a really great season.
0: And so if a season happens, we'll continue to update you again. As about 845 on a Monday evening, we are, uh, we're still having football. The big 12 is still planning on having football. <laughs> uh, and as that happens, as Texas has camp, we will continue to keep you updated on everything Texas fall camp. So we haven't had Mike Roach on in a while. And so we probably need to remedy that at some point, maybe Kyle or I could you know come down with the sniffles or something. We can just call Mike up to have be the co-host, but there was some <laughs> recruiting news that happened this week. So uh, three-star Wide receiver Jaden Alexis was the most recent of the two pickups uh, out of Monarch High School in Pompano Beach, Florida. Now, Texas going out of state for talent, people always talk about this. Um, but when you look at this guy's offer sheet, and then you look at a, a little number 511, 180 pounds, whatever, nothing to write home with. A verified four four one forty yard dash, 1075. 100 meter kid. So a burner Mm -hmm. that's going to be touching six foot by the time he walks on campus.
1: Yeah. I mean, a a kid with, with unbelievable speed. It's, it's, uh, we, we always talk and joke about on this, that it's, it's those recruits that end up at TCU that he looks like one of those guys that he's just so fast, so shifty. and even more than his top end speed, his acceleration in his tape is nuts, um, super off the charge. Um, but yeah, I mean, Alexis to Texas, he, it, it just it's he's ready for the uh, for the the you know the best Craig way you can get. He's got a name made for it. Um, I mean, I think it's gonna be great. I'll say this, Gerald. You can give me the stats. You can give me the breakdown, the size, any of those things. The thing that made me most confident uh, about this pick is when he tweeted out um, on on the 8th uh, at 1 o'clock that he was committed. He tagged, first and foremost, of course, at Texas football. Third was Coach Drake Coleman. fourth, uh, Tom Herman. You know, Jursich, Milrow in there. I like that. Uh, our boy, Mike Roachkin in there. A lot of people tagged. The second person he tagged before Coach Tom Herman, after Texas football, was Bun B. And that just makes me so excited. A player committing and tagging Bun B in 2020 means this dude, even though he's 17, 18, is coming to Texas. And coming to Texas with all the right reasons to, uh, to follow UGK, all-time great uh bun b to the to the state that uh th- that matters you know that i just I, that put a smile on my face that didn't wipe off for a few hours
0: yeah and i mean there there's another player in the class that uh hails from port arthur right so uh jordan thomas a, a top 250 guy uh it's from port arthur and we playfully we don't really condone tweeting at recruits but I had to send a Bun B picture when he committed because, well, that's very on brand for us. Uh, so I, I just, I, I just think it's fun. Uh, so yeah, the, he, like, he's one of those guys that reaches top speed in like three or four steps or mm. it's just like quick, out, quick out of his cuts. Like it is very, very impressive. Um, and again, when you look, he's a guy that when you look at his offer sheet, like all of the right offers are there. And so it's less about the stars and it's more about, okay, so the top, Programs in the country are coming after this guy, right? He's got the Alabama offer. That's all that you need to say to me, right? Mm -hmm. Alabama sent two recruiters after him. Okay, so that's that's something that you want to keep an eye out for. So the other uh, commitment out of the, the sunshine state as well as three-star center, uh, Michael Maslinsky uh, out of Bishop Kenny high school in Jacksonville, six, 285 pound center. Um, his dad is actually a friend of Herb hand uh, a nine year NFL vet and a current cent- strength and conditioning coach for the Jaguars. Texas had a need to land a center and it seems like they found their man uh, in the uh, sunshine state.
1: Yeah. I mean, Gerald, it, 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 it It's been over one year since Texas has had an offensive line commit. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. We talked about the the problems, the issues, the whatever. we, We you think back a year ago you and I in this podcast and what we were saying, man, this class, what it could really clean up to be. Um, I'm just happy to see that, right? We're, we're building, we're, we're hitting a, a position in an area of need. Um, again, you know, Bun being the last one excited me. The fact that this guy's name is Mike Mislinski just sounds like Herb Hand's getting back to his Penn State days of, of getting giant Polish dudes uh, in to just be, you know, the beef in your offensive line. I love it. I mean, a center named... Mike Misalinski just sounds like he shows up to work with his lunch pail. You know, like he just sounds like he's going to be crushing things. Um, 6'2", 285 in high school, you know, good size, ready to be uh, put some college weight on there. I think it would be a, a, a great, great player. I mean, I, I'm excited for it. I think it's a it's a good take. Uh, and, and, again, just gets the momentum rolling for Filling out offensive line.
0: Yeah, he's he. when you look at his tape, he's kind of a pancake machine. Uh, he's got kind of a, a little bit of a grit and a little bit of a, a, a grind to him. There's some talk that because his he's worked with his dad quite a bit, he may be pretty close to his physical peak or, or, or pretty high ceiling but or pretty close to his ceiling. But there's another guy that came in a few years ago you may remember that there was a, that was the knock on. Um, And he goes by one name, Puna. That was a knock on him when he came in and Texas got quite a bit of production out of that guy. So uh, we'll, we'll see. So now this is part of the show where we get to give some shine to the sports that don't normally get much. And we down the 40 Kyle. It feels good to have some other things to talk about, even if they are preseason things. So soccer, Friend of the show Julia Grosso named to the preseason All Big Twelve team, the only Texas player to earn that mark.
1: I'll I'll take it. You know this. Uh, I believe Julia Grosso plays on the Canadian national team. I think. I mean, she's she good. So uh, you know, build a team around your uh, around your superstars. Let's 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 go LFG. So uh,
0: on the volleyball court where it's going to be played not in Gregory Gymnasium. I just remembered that it's going to be played in the Frank Irwin Center because nobody goes to that, so you can very well socially distance there. Uh, Texas adds Illinois graduate transfer libero Morgan O'Brien played three seasons with the Illini, 94 matches, 1,200 digs, which was a 3.4 per set average, uh, 265 assists, and 79 aces in her three seasons with the fight in Illini.
1: Texas returning so much talent in volleyball um, next season. Just adding another piece looks looks good. Um, again, let's let's hope that season actually happens because this could finally, after not the longest time, but too long as it should be for what talent Coach Elliott's had. This could be a team that's looking at the the deepest of runs and potentially adding to the trophy case. And, and it doesn't hurt to add a uh, another fantastic piece. Come on with it.
0: Let's get another. Championship. Now, that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum, brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week?
1: So, you probably don't, I don't even have to say the name when I say your favorite kicker's favorite kicker, but you know, of course, I'm talking about the pride of, of Austin Westlake and the 40 Acres and Texas A&M, see you never, Justin Tucker. A dear, dear, dear fan uh, he has in me. Um, He he played for my college team and then made it to my pro team as he plays for the Ravens. Um, He's very good. We know that. He's in well in the NFL. A lot of people have used the word consistent to describe him. However, when researching um, hashtag data, uh, Gerald and I found he's weirdly consistent. So over the last four NFL seasons, Justin Tucker has scored exactly 141 points. No more, no less. Nair, shall it be 140, and also doth not shall score 142. Those are uh, correct uh, old Englishes. Yeah, 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 we know that. Um, in 2016, and, and again, this is the part that blows my mind. Never in those four seasons was it that he had the same amount of field goals and and extra points just interchanging them he gets to 141 again never missing of course because the dude's the most accurate kicker literally in the history of the nfl in 2016 38 field goals 27 extra points 2017 dropped down the field goals a bit with 34 but got 39 extra points 2018 extra 35 field goal now 38 extra points 28 field goals in 2019 uh 59 extra points thanks lamar jackson but still got there to the magical one hundred and forty one. So if there is an NFL season, I hope it's not shortened. Or if it if it is, Tucker's going to have to average about four field goals a game in a shortened NFL season, if not five uh, to get to to the magic one forty one. But this is voodoo. And he's just by every fact that we've ever reported on this podcast and anyone's ever said about him, the most interesting kicker in the history of kickers. And of course, is the Internet's foremost kicking and punting podcast so justin tucker keep doing your thing
0: absolutely and, and again that was the weirdest stat i think i've seen in a very long time and i had to like go back and verify it i was like okay so so they they had 12 like i did the counting right there were four fewer field goals so he had <laughs> he had to have 12 more extra points Yep, that math checks out okay so they had the it was just it was the craziest thing in the world so uh i'm banging the drum this week on Social media. And so the University of Texas, uh, for the month of July, Texas sports once again generated the most like social media interactions with 350,000 social media interactions, which is a big number regardless of who you are. But that number becomes more and more important as things like players unionizing or uh, name, image, and likeness uh, branding happens. Texas is already way ahead of most of the country on branding. Hashtag all of the players have their own logos. Uh, so Texas is way out in front on this thing. And it doesn't seem like a big deal, but when if you follow recruiting, there are a lot of recruits that are taking that into account when they're considering schools. And so as Texas looks to land the big fish and continue to land the big fish, like that is a big selling point. Like I think they were like... 50 or a hundred thousand interactions over whoever came in number two, which is nuts. And so when you're looking at landing guys like Kamar Wheaton in the 2020 class or LJ in the 2020 class, like those are guys that would likely be some of the earliest beneficiaries of this name, image and likeness change. And they're guys that would probably benefit greatly from name, image and likeness rights. They would be able to probably get a little bit of change off of that, which I'm totally fine with. And so, um, Texas, we've talked about it ad nauseum probably at this point their especially around football, their media is just so far and ahead of everybody else in the country. It's going to continue to become, it it, it was just a cool thing before, but now as the the college football landscape continues to change, it's going to be even more important uh, because these players are taken into consideration when they choose where they're going to play their college ball.
1: The the most interesting part about this, like you said, when, there's a big football game, the team that's in that game obviously spikes. When there's a a you know a, a big recruiting get, the team is going to spike when, you know, something of note happens. We're all sitting here. We're all on our couches. We're all waiting for some, the world for something to happen at rest. Texas has that much of a head start, a leg up on everybody else. When Texas football gets back to where it rightfully should be with 11 plus wins every year in national competition, there's no chance for anyone else. I mean, when we talk about the Joneses, this kind of stuff, this here, is what we're referencing. The best at every detail and aspect of the entire program, uh, soup to nuts. Coming out
0: of the worst decade in school history. Correct. Still. Still. The Joneses will always be the Joneses, never not the Joneses. Our exes continue to think about us. Hashtag Aggies keep calling us. But that's all we've got for you <laughs> this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet?
1: Oh, you can find me and my doths and shells at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer.
0: You can also find Kyle on his newest Twitter account, King James Tweets. For all of your doths and shalls. <laughs> uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at G.H. Gitter. Try the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. You can shoot us an email at uh, pod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook'em.
1: <laughs> hook'em. Thou shalt give us five-star reviews in the King James Room.